Welcome to On the Way with Tony Chris. Each weekday, Dr. Chris will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Chris. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 241. And today we're going to walk again around the Sea of Galilee. Now, yesterday I was telling you about the geography and some of the history of the place, but just by way of review, because remember, repetition is the mother of learning. And the Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake on the earth. Remember, it is a freshwater lake, and it is fed by its primary source, and that is the Jordan River. It is part of the Syrian-African Rift Valley, which starts in northern Syria and runs all the way to Central and East Africa. It can be seen from space. As you know, just south of there is the Dead Sea, which is the lowest point on Earth at 1,300 feet below sea level. It, unlike the Sea of Galilee, only takes in but does not give out. That's why it's dead, just like all of us, from a spiritual application. If all we do is take in and we never give out, there is no give and take. There is no walking out what we know. Then we become dead. And uh, the Sea of Galilee takes in from all of its various sources, but it gives out life to everything below it. It is really the source of life of that great, fertile Jordan Valley. Today, what I want to do is just kind of, again, pick up where I left off with some of the main towns, especially around that northeast quadrant where Jesus spent most of his time, because this is very important. The sea itself is seven miles wide, and that doesn't seem like too much when you're there, but when you get out on the lake itself, seven miles is a long way to row or sail across, and it takes some time to do that. Even in our modern boats with the motors, it takes a while to get across that or to go from one end to the other, which is about 14 miles in length from north to south, east to west, about seven, seven and a half, depending on the level of the lake. Probably the widest point would be going from Kersey over to Nafganasar, the area of Magdala. And so that's where I want to start today is Migdala, Migdal. The word Migdal, where Magdala is, that would be more the Arabic pronunciation, Migdala. It is the place where really the Gennesaret Valley, the southern end of the Gennesaret Valley ends. And this is a fertile valley that goes all the way down to the sea flat. And many of you have been there with me, and you remember that is where the Jesus boat is, where Genosar, Kibbutz Genosar is. A lot of people remember that because of the Jesus Boat Museum that is there. When you go to Magdala now, to Migdal, which by the way means tower, all of this has to do with fishing. Remember, Bethsaida, which I'll talk about in just a few moments, is the house of the hunter. That's uh, hunting game fishing is what it is, game fish hunting. And that's why it's called the house of the hunter. But Migdala has to do with the tower, the word Migdal in Hebrew is the word for tower. And that's not a military tower, but it was a fishing tower because you see these fish, there's 18 species of fish 
that are native to the Sea of Galilee, 18 species. You have the catfish, which is the bad fish. It is doesn't have scales, so it's a non-kosher. So it really is just a bottom feeder. And those catfish over there in the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River where it runs out, where we baptize at Yardinit, uh, the place that uh, we've set aside to baptize people in the Ministry of Tourism, has that beautiful sight there. It's just like something that you would see out of a movie. But you see some of those catfish swimming in there, but they can get up to 15 feet long you know, weigh a lot of kilos. It's an amazing fish and species, but they have been there since the days of Jesus and before. And then you have the carp, what we would call a carp, so many other species, but the fish that was the most popular during the days of Jesus and is the most popular today is the freshwater sardine. Now, this is probably what the little boy had who had the loaves and fishes. He had pita, pita's bread. So when we say pita bread, that's bread bread. He had uh, some small loaves, and he had probably salted sardines. And that's what I wanted to feature about Migdal. Now, if you go to Migdal today, Magdala today, you're going to see a beautifully restored site there, and a tremendous work has been done. Karen and I have spent quite a bit of time there. We stayed in the hotel when it first opened so that we could uh, eat the food, be there, see what all's going on. And, and part of the hotel is overlooking and is part of the hotel itself is the great synagogue that was there during the days of Jesus. Now, the synagogues that you're going to go in in the Galilee for the most part are reconstructions of an earlier time or like in uh, Capernaum uh, where you have the base, uh, the basalt, black volcanic rock that's at the base of it that would have been there during the days of Jesus. But at Capernaum, they have a fourth century synagogue there that was uh, built out of limestone and uh, was a later date built over the place where Jesus would have been. But at Migdal, it's the actual floor there, the mosaic floor, uh, the very place where Jesus would have been. We know that the Bible says he preached in all the synagogues in and around the Galilee. So certainly his feet would have walked there. They have actually found the podium that the uh, Torah would have been sat on to read and to teach from. So all of that is there. It goes right down to the water. It's an absolute beautiful village. They found housing, the neighborhoods there. But what we found out at Migdal, uh, at that city of the tower. This is where people would get up on a tower there, no doubt, and they would see these schools of sardines because when you're uh, flat on the water, you can't always see that. But somebody that's up, they can see because they swim in great uh, schools. Now, tons of these things are fished out there every year still to this day. Some say that there were somewhere between four and 500 tons during the days of Jesus, and now there's upward to 2,000 tons that are gotten out of there every year. There's a lot, and uh, I mean a lot of fish in this beautiful lake. So Migdal was a fishing village, and that's where they found the Jesus boat that dates back to the time of Jesus and uh, the first century there. But one of the things that you'll see is they have found at Migdal a processing plant for those sardines and for the fish. The tilapia that come out there, it's called St. Peter's fish, but it's a type of tilapia tilapia 
they had a processing plant there where they would uh, salt these fish down. In almost all those villages, there were uh, trades that went on besides fishing. But at Migdal, there was a salt plant, a, a fish processing plant, and probably the Jews who lived there sold to the Roman legions, to the people around the area. Uh, that might have been where the little boy with the loaves and fishes got. But I would say that every village, they would have their own private family who did that kind of thing. But the villages were known for different things. For instance, um, Migdal, the place where Mary of Migdala, of uh, Migdal came from, is prominent in the ministry of Jesus. That was a fishing village, and no doubt they were known for their processing of the fish and salting of the fish and preserving of the fish and selling of the fish. But that was not the case at Capernaum. Even though it was a fishing village and was the headquarters of the ministry of Jesus, I believe personally that it was known not just for fishing, and it uh, was a good ways away So uh, by walking, so it probably had its own processing features there. But what uh, Capernaum was known for was millstones. And uh, there have been almost twice as many, maybe even more than that in proportion to the rest of the villages, that millstones that have been found there. And it's interesting that when Jesus talked about uh, the little children, and if you hurt or harmed one of those and caused one of them to stumble, it would be better for you if a millstone was put around your neck. Well, where he said that was at Capernaum. And in the region of Capernaum, why? Because those people were used to rolling those millstones around, they knew how heavy they were and had firsthand experience. It's amazing how Jesus just took the things around him and taught spiritual lessons with them. All over those hills and just above Capernaum and the villages there, uh, Chorazin, there are foxholes everywhere. And remember, this is where the migration route comes through from Africa to Europe and to Russia and all the areas north of Israel. The migration routes from Africa to Europe and Asia, and then back down, go through Israel. M many of those routes do. So they were used to seeing birds flying over all the time. And you'll recall that one of the disciples asked, Lord, um, I want to follow you. And uh, I'm not just talking about the 12. There were many disciples that followed Jesus around. The 12 were a special group. And out of the 12, there were three that were the inner circle. But there were many disciples. One of them said, Lord, I want to follow you. Jesus said, well, here's why it's like if you're going to follow me. Uh, you're entitled to nothing. As a matter of fact, if you follow me, you see all those foxholes, every fox has a hole to go into at night. About that time, uh, birds may have flown overhead. He said, you know, every bird has a nest to go to. But if you follow me, you may not have a hole to crawl into. You may not have a home. You may not have a nest to go to. You see, in our Western culture of entitlement, uh, just from a point that's applicable to us, uh, many times the first thing a pastor wants to know is how much money's in it for me if I'm going to go to a particular place or how much am I going to get paid or how many days am I going to get off and what kind of benefits do you have? Well, I want to tell you those kind of questions would have been out of line with Jesus because he would have said, look, if you're going to follow me, it's not about pay. You may not, you may lose everything that you have. You might not gain anything. You might lose everything in this life that you have. You may lose your family. You may lose your your home. You may not have a hole to crawl into at night. You may not have a steady place. 
But our home is not this world. We want shelter. We want food. We want to provide for our families. But if we're going to serve the Lord, our treasure is in heaven. We're just pilgrims passing through. Jesus just took things around. He took the fish and the netting and and the mending of nets and the casting of the seines. That's what it was, a seine. Most of the fishings were uh, net fishing. There wasn't any float or bobber fishing as we do today. There wasn't any lure fishing as such. It was go out with a seine. That's what we call it in the South, net fishing. And so this is what they did. And Jesus used many stories of boats and fishermen and so forth to teach spiritual truths. He used the animals and the geography around him. He used cities that were around there set on hills. He used lamps and bushels and uh, all kinds of things. Why? Because that's where the people are and that's what they know. And he did most of that around the Galilee. The lake itself, again, the lowest freshwater lake on earth was the site of most of the ministry of Jesus. Not a spectacular lake by the lakes of the earth, but it is a lake that is special to all of history and for all of time. Only 150 feet deep at its deepest point, but the depth of the teaching around there is unfathomable. And so I say to you, come walk with me around the land, around the lake, and I'll show you where at one time we'll get up on Mount Arbel or we get out on the lake and I'll show you where 70-75% of all the miracles that Jesus performed that are recorded, many that he did are not recorded. Of all the miracles that are recorded that Jesus did, I'll show you at one time where 70% of them to 75% of them were done in your sight range. At one time, you can see that. That's how small a place it is. That's how compact the place is. And uh, this is why everywhere he went, people followed him because they heard of him raising the dead. They heard of him causing the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. And when John the Baptist was put in prison by Antipas, Herod Antipas, who had his residence and his uh, rule and reign out of Tiberias, just south of where I'm talking about right now, just a few miles, when he was put into prison. John, you remember, toward the end of his life, got to wondering if indeed uh, he had followed the right path, if Jesus was the right person. And he sent word and said, are you really the one that we were looking for, or have I been mistaken? Jesus didn't answer yes or no. He said, you go back and tell John this, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the demons are cast out, the dead are raised, yes, All of the marks of the Messiah, Jesus is. You know why? Because he is the Messiah. He's the Messiah of Israel. He's the Savior of the world. Yes, indeed, he is Yeshua HaMashiach, the Anointed One. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.